It's the Not So Bon Voyage podcast, episode 60. On today's episode, we talk about babies born on flights and surviving an avalanche in Alaska. Grab your ice picks and let's go. And then the train got lost. How does the train get lost when it's on rails? I just want to get out there in the wild. Well, it was in the itinerary. I mean, adventure, it's calling. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been excellent. Ahoy! Ahoy there, Voyagers, and welcome to the Not So Bon Voyage podcast. If you're listening for the first time or if you're rejoining the voyage, we are your hosts. I'm Jules. I'm Christine. And this is a travel podcast all about when shit goes wrong on the road. Yes, and we took a week off. We did take a week so off. So sue us. So sue us, You know us, what? Guys. Sue us. Hopefully we can settle out of court. We can make things work. Yes, we're back though, and so if you are joining us for the first time, we welcome you. We did take a week off, but we are usually every week bringing you the craziest, wildest travel stories from around the world. And we've got a couple of good ones today. Yes, even in the midst of COVID, where not many people are traveling, we are still bringing you some crazy-ass stories from recent times and from olden days. Yes, and <laughs> and for our voyagers who follow along every week, you know we like to start the show off with a small update about our own travels, and we actually have some travel news today. That's right, guys. We went on a trip. We went on a trip. Not we- that far, though. Don't get on our case we really didn't go very far we did not get on a plane we did not go internationally we stayed within state we drove where did we go jules we went to pismo beach we did indeed so we went about four hours south of san francisco to a very cute little town called pismo beach for a work trip that was supposed to happen in march but covid so covid we had to do it this past week but it was really fun such a good trip had a couple of not so bon voyages a couple of hiccups couple of hiccups yeah it wasn't too bad though we had a pretty rough drive down because uh, we had previously had a fun weekend with our roommates, so we were a little bit worse for the wear. A little bit hungover. <laughs> and there's a windy, couple of windy roads down there. It's a little uh, treacherous on the stomach. Christine may or may not have vomited oh, I at, did. A gas station, <laughs> at a gas station mid-trip. I completely forgot about that. I actually completely that. forgot about this as well. I just remember that we were extremely hungover driving down. And it seems to be always the case. We've talked about this many times. It's like the night before you know you need to travel, you know that you should just really have a quiet one and instead you have a blowout rager Mm -hmm. and that's what happens. You pull over to a random gas station in the middle of the 101 and Christine vomits in front of a small family. Yeah, sorry about that family if you're listening to this. that I totally forgot about that because I get car sick, so it's not that uncommon for me to pull over to a gas station and throw up, but that was not fun. But then Jules got me a bunch of sour candies, which always helps. Yes, but we had a great trip. Uh, Pismo Beach is an interesting spot. We uh, got lost in sand dunes for a little while. We, mm-hmm. we lost our shoes. And, we did. We uh, lost our shoes for a while, and then we found them. And then we hung out with a bunch of anti-maskers. <laughs> well, we didn't hang out with them, but there were, I would say there are a lot of people without masks. There were a lot of people with masks, but there are a lot of people who looked maybe like they are anti-masks. Yes. You know what Like I mean? they're making a statement. Yeah. They're making a statement with their mouths. Yes. <laughs> you can see my lips. Show, let me show you my mouth. Let me show you how serious I am about not wearing a mask. <laughs> but it was a really fun trip and it was nice to just get out and travel a little bit. Yes, because there's not much travel happening at the moment. Mm-hmm. A lot of domestic travel, which is great, uh, and which leads me into my first in the news story today because oh, I have one. Yes. It is about some domestic travel. It's about a woman flying inside India. Mm. She's flying from Delhi to Bangalore last week. And guess what? what? She had a baby. 
On the flight? She had a baby on the flight. Oh, wow. She joins the club of many stories that we've told over the last year of people who have babies on a flight. It happens so much more commonly than I Way thought it Way more did. common than I thought. So this is on an Indigo. So like, I guess it's like India Go flight. Cute. Love it. 30,000 feet. Pops out a bub called Bakshi. Bakshi. Pops out a bub. <laughs> pops out a bub. I think it's called Bakshi. Um, indigo. For those that aren't Australian, bub is like a kid, a kid, like a baby. Yeah. What you don't say, bub? I don't think we do. But then again, I don't. I've blurred the lines between American English and Australian English. I don't know what's what anymore. Okay, well, she has a baby, a little bubby. American listeners, please let us know if we say bub or not. So it's a three-hour flight, and about an hour into the flight, she goes into labor. And so this is a crazy thing. So they have a thirty. How many? How many weeks are you pregnant for? Um, 39, 39, 39, 39, okay. I think, so they have a 36 week limit on when you can fly. So okay. if you're over, if you're 36 weeks and over, you can't fly. So she was only 32 weeks along. Whoa. Okay. So, so she was pretty early. So it was an early birth. Yes. And so about an hour into it, she goes into labor and then they get on and all right, first of all, they get on and they say, is there a doctor on board now? Is it always, is it ever not a doctor on board? There's just always a doctor. There is always a doctor on a plane. Every story that we've told, whether it's the guy who had to, do you remember the story where there was the, the guy, I think it was on a flight somewhere in China and the doctor had to stick a straw up the man's urethra, urethra yeah. and suck the piss out of him. Yes. That's a true story, guys. Yes. You can. I don't know what episode it is, but you can Google it. Some guy had some weird bladder thing and he couldn't pee and he was he was going to burst his bladder and actually die of like some kind of bursted bladder pee. He's going to burst his bubble. He's going to burst his bubble and a doctor put a straw up his pee-pee and sucked out the pee-pee. That's a true story. <laughs> oh is it, my is it God. or is it not? That was a true story. Yes, it is. Look up doctor suck penis pee. <laughs> oh my God. Whoa. Maybe don't put those words Maybe in. don't put That's that like in. That's going to get you a whole different part of the internet. Yes, but we'll find out what episode is and put it in the show notes at Not So Bon Voyage. Uh, it's a hilarious story. Uh, but the guy, I mean, he did well. But anyway, back to the point. Is it, there's always a doctor on board. I feel well, like every story goes... You know, and then something happened and then they put over the PA system. Is there a doctor on board? And someone's like, yes, I'm a doctor. I think there's just a lot of doctors in the world. Yeah. Well, good on them. That's what society needs, right? Doctors. Yes. Yeah, exactly. They don't need more podcasters. No, they don't. We contribute nothing to society. Yeah. But imagine if like you're having an emergency on the plane. And they're like, is there a podcaster on board? (laughs) (laughs) We need to record this. We need some audio. And I'm like, oh, like I've got my little kit. Whip it out and I just podcast the whole thing. And next thing you know, like there's a podcast episode about it. I mean, that what is more important, guys? I I can't think of anything else. That's why we get paid the big bucks. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So the doctor set up a mini hospital within minutes. A Uh, mini hospital? Yes. And I feel like I could probably set up a mini podcasting studio within minutes as well. A hundred percent. And they delivered the baby. It's not really that complicated. Delivered the baby. The baby was born. Everybody applauded. (sighs) Everybody, every single person. I, well, but there was somebody in the back that was like, hmm, hmm, hmm I don't want a baby. I don't I'm like babies. <laughs> so they, and then the, so everybody applauded, everybody was happy. And then when they finally landed, they were met with applause and a big welcome sign upon oh, landing. Wow. And both the mum and the bub were escorted to a hospital and everybody, you know, is applauding. Everyone's really happy. And that's it. The baby, she had a baby. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to do like a plot twist. Or oh, no, there's no. Like, okay. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Here we well, go. I have, I have one thing. So, Indigo, which is the airline, they put up a, a post on Facebook or something like that, or their LinkedIn, and they said, 
We are overjoyed to welcome baby Bakshi to the world at 30,000 feet in our lean, clean flying machine. Both the mother and baby are doing fine, and we send them our best wishes. Now, this is the question I wanted to ask you. This is kind of weird. They also posted a picture of the cabin crew holding the newborn. Mm. And I I don't know. Do you think that's weird? I'm showing you the picture now. Oh, we'll put this up. Uh, it's a little, it's, is it a little weird? It's a little weird. It's a little weird. It's like, look at this baby. So this woman <laughs> we is, did this. This woman has just given birth on a plane, and then this picture is. We'll put it on the show notes. It's a picture of cabin crew Tiny. holding a baby wrapped up in looks like one of those fleece blankets that you get that you're never allowed to keep, but you usually kind of probably steal anyway. It looks the baby looks like he, he or she is wearing a snuggie. Yeah. yeah, a little tiny baby. Well, it's a small baby. It's premature. Very small baby. But do you not think it's weird that you would have the cabin crew, the flight attendants, holding, holding the, the baby? baby? It's a bit odd. It's a bit odd, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit of a promo uh, PR thing. But I can see. I mean, if you, you want to remember that moment. Yeah. <laughs> but they're and kind of holding it like, look at our baby. Yeah. We did this. But this also, is our baby now. I kind of feel like, yeah, I kind of feel like if that was my baby, I'd be like, don't touch my baby. Like, I don't want some random people touching my brand newborn baby. Yeah, that's true. On a plane during COVID. Is it safe to have a baby on a plane? It seems like that that's a, not a sterile environment. Mm. Well, they did say lean, clean, flying machine. That's true. Yes. And there is talk, <laughs> as always, about whether the kid will get a lifetime of free flights. Mm-hmm. That has been proposed many times. And I think some airlines have done that, where yes, babies have been yeah. born on a plane and the airline has gone, hey, you know what? You fly with us now. You fly with us. You fly with us, kid. <laughs> You're part of the family. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know if that, I don't know what Indigo is going to do, but I will keep you updated. Yeah, please do. I'll probably forget. And maybe one, <laughs> maybe one day, like in 20 years' time, we will speak to somebody and they'll be like, I was born on a plane. And we'll be like, oh, my God, was it Indigo Airlines? And they'll be like, yes. And we'll be like, whoa. Whoa. Did you get free flights? And no. then we'll update the podcast because we'll still be doing it in 20 yeah, years. Of course we will. Because <laughs> hey, the world needs more podcasts. That's what we found out. That's what we decided. Wow, that's wild. There's so many babies born on planes. Yes, there are. And I've got one more story. This story, oh, by the way, this episode is going to be mostly me-driven today. Yeah. Christina's done all drools. Christina's done no work for it. Just no, she's been. Uh-huh. We've been actually. So true story, true time. Uh, actually, no, it's not a true story. It's just life. We've been mm-hmm. very busy with other work, and we've just had to prioritize that. That's why we didn't get a podcast. We're going to be completely honest with you. That is why we didn't get an episode up this week. We just had a lot of things on. We were very busy, but we're back. You know, we're gonna. We're never going to be gone for too long. We won't abandon you, but also we had to prioritize the people that are giving us money. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yes, and it's been a pretty quiet six months. If we're going to be honest, working in travel for those of you that don't know us or just joining us for the first time. We work in travel media full-time, and so coronavirus, uh, pretty hit, you know, uh, pop the brakes, all the work stops. So uh, mm-hmm. we're finally getting back into it. So we just, we got to, we got to take that. We got to take it. Take, take it where you can get it. Take where you can get it. Uh, so yes, so no travel means no work, which also means no travel stories. But mm. I did have, I did want to introduce a new little segment into <gasps> the podcast, and it's called Weird Travel News. Weird travel news. Weird travel news. Okay, as opposed to like bad travel news, like weird travel Just news. like weird stuff that's happening around at the moment, around okay. the world. Because I feel like there's a lot of funny, cool, weird things that are happening because people can't travel at the moment. Oh. And I think that it's interesting and I think that it'd be fun mm. to talk about. So it's not exactly okay. when shit goes wrong on the road. Okay. But I think it's just a thought-provoking thing. Mm. Oh, I love it. So this Got one- high expectations now. Well, no, this is just a really short one. This better be good. Oh, oh God, here we go. <laughs> uh, this, is about, this is about Japan. 
Okay. Okay. So in <laughs> Japan, yeah, in Japan, because people aren't traveling, obviously, they're renting out office space in theme parks. What? <laughs> so they're equipping theme parks with like Wi-Fi hotspots, tables, chairs, everything that remote workers or people working remotely need, and okay. they're working out of theme parks. And get this, you can even rent a spot on a Ferris wheel to work. What? For an hour. What? So you, but and there's, it's moving. Yes, it's yeah. moving. It's like a little, you, you rent the booth and then you just, I guess they have a little table in there and there's Wi-Fi and you can rent the Ferris wheel for an hour to work in. I feel like, like I'd get dizzy after a while. You would be the worst person on that. <laughs> I would throw up. I'd probably throw up off the side onto somebody. You're horrible. But that's cool. That's I mean, why not? People got to be creative. Yes. It's kind of like all the, I guess this section, I thought it would be interesting because, you know, like all the weird stuff, like the other week we talked about the idea of the flight to nowhere mm-hmm. that's happening. And then there's that stuff happening in, I think, Taiwan or South mm-hmm. Korea or somewhere over in East Asia where they're doing the airport experiences. Yeah, right, where right, Where they're right. getting people to go do the whole Exact, like exactly the whole thing like you were checking in to take a plane mm-hmm. and then you sit on the plane and then I don't know what happens if they serve you a meal and then you just get off. Yeah, I guess. I mean, would you do it? Um, The amusement park thing? No, no. Would you do the, the whole airport oh, experience? Oh, no, 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 no. I haven't had enough airport experiences in my life. Yeah. You have to like stand in line at immigration and like go through customs and stuff. I'm like, that's all the worst just part of traveling. Just for a traveling. laugh. Just for a laugh. I mean, I would do it. No, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> I would do it if you could drink. And it was kind of like a fun social thing where you could hang out and maybe maybe when you're in immigration, instead of like waiting, I mean, I don't know how how much of it they're doing, like immigration, all that sort of stuff. But maybe while you're waiting, you're kind of like waiting in a line and then you get a bar or each, each spot you get a, a checkpoint. So you go through the little security thing, you got to take off your shoes, but when you get on the other side, someone hands you a shot and you're like, yeah. <laughs> so it's just a full drinking experience. Yeah, it's pretty much like a drinking experience. <laughs> Basically, I'm trying to turn everything into a drinking experience. I do Thoughts. not think that that is what they're doing. <laughs> Plus, you would have to wear your mask the whole time. Yeah, maybe we can just set up our own little drinking uh, aeroplane experience here in the backyard. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah, check in, check in, please. Yes, check in any bags. Uh, yes, just one bag, and then you get a shot. Bang, take a shot. <laughs> it'd be fun if you could have house parties, which you can't obviously, but it'd be fun if you could like do a travel house party where it, it's like once like at the door you're checking in for your flight and you bring your bags, and then the next thing is like immigration, and yeah, you get drinks in different rooms and they're all the different stages, and then their backyard you. See Set up seats and it's like you're in the plane. And then you have a backyard movie. And you have a movie. Yeah, exactly. And a, fu- and a meal. Yeah. Wow, it's that just, sounds really fun, actually. It's just the movie is actually just uh, outside. We you, could just set that up for us and our roommate. That sounds good. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> if anybody does that, let us know. Yes, and send pics. Okay, uh, we're moving into the main story today, which is going to be led by me again, because as I've already said, I'm championing... <laughs> I'm championing this episode and I... You are the champion. I actually realized now that I didn't give it a title. <gasps> You're uh, channeling me. I know, That's I know. so cute. And I know. It's an ode to me. So Christine is the worst when it comes to creating titles for the main stories. She never does. She'll just be like, it's a story about going to Indonesia and something happens and it would be called Indonesia Story. Mm, well, what did you call this one? I called this one Alaska Story. Oh, okay. So it's the same, same. I forgot to add a title. So, okay, well, now it's your job to think okay. of what it's going to be called. Okay, great. Okay, great, great. You, you in? Yes, I'm in. I'm you in. in it I'm to already it? thinking Alaska, Alaska, Alaska bears, Alaska. cold, snow. Uh, mountains, mountains. Um, climbing. Okay, what do we got? What There's a couple got? of hints right there. 
Okay. okay. Love it. Story time. Alaska story. It is June 1992. We're going back a little bit. We're going okay. back 28 years, 18 years. No, 20, 28 years. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness gracious. Oh, my God. I mean, I was five, so that makes sense. Okay. Okay. So it is June 1992, and three climbing friends were planning on scaling Mount Faroka. Faroka. Okay. I never look, you know, we never look up names of things. I know. Sorry, Alaska. We never know. Apologies. Apologies uh, all around. I don't know if it's in Denali or if it's close to that. That's pretty much the only spot I know in Alaska is Denali National Park. Mm -hmm. But it's a 17,000 foot mountain called Mount Faroka. Okay. Okay. And the three men are called Tom Walter. Mm -hmm. Rick Kellogg and Colby Combs. And I know Colby, Colby wow. Combs is... They sound like made-up names. <laughs> yeah. Tom Walter, Rick Kellogg, and Colby Combs. <laughs> uh, I know that Colby Combs is 25 years old and he's from Washington State. I don't know much about the other two boys. But they're all long-term climbers and they're all very experienced. Mm. Okay? So they know their stuff. They've been climbing since the mid-'80s, uh, since they were young. So they're experienced. Wow. So they set out to scale the mountain. And everything's going fine. They're doing some route, some new route called Pink Panther or something. I don't know. You know how mountains have different routes? Yeah. Let me just preface this by saying it doesn't have a happy ending. Don't throw too many fun jokes in there, okay? Wait, can't we have the fun jokes early then because it's going to get dark? It gets dark. All I'm saying is Pink Panther. That's Pink Panther, right? Yeah. Hey, enjoy. Throw out all your jokes. Get used to them now because then it's going to get a little bit dark. Oh, God. Well, you know the darker it gets, the more I nervous get. Yeah, I know. You're going to start laughing. The laughter has only just begun. Okay, so they're on the Pink Panther route. It's some. You know how mountains have different ways to go up so people can, you know, yeah, yeah, there's different routes. Yeah, different routes, so you can try different ways to go up and you know get different experiences. So they're going for some route, and I think it's, I don't know if it's a particularly technical climb, but as they're scaling the mountain, a storm starts to form. Of course. And the tree, yes, all good stories on mountains start with a storm. A storm form. And a storm form, and the trio decide to abandon their plans to make it to the top. Good and they're point. like, they've got to try and work out what to do. They're stuck in a bit of an awkward spot on the mountain. I'm not sure how high up they are already. Okay. But basically, I don't know. There was a lot of technical terms in this story. I don't know. We are not technically an ice mountain climbing podcast. We're more of your st standard travel stories. But but we love to speculate and we love to make things up. And we love so to make we'll things go up. with it. So I'm just going to like throw out a couple of things. They were traversing. I learned that word. They oh, were traversing. They were scaling. Mean? They were rappelling. I think traversing is when you go across okay, like that sideways. Makes, that's yeah, it's like snowboarding when you traverse across a mountain. Mm -hmm. Rappelling, going down. Climbing, going up. There you go, guys. Love it. Glossary. There's your glossary. Climbing glossary. Climbing glossary. So they're stuck in an awkward spot on the mountain, and they had to sort of navigate this tricky section to get off the mountain. Now, the ridge that they had to traverse across was tricky. Now, I don't understand how this works. They said the snow was very porous. Okay. Right? And it said that it was too. It was both too soft and too hard. Wow. Goldilocks. So Goldilocks <laughs> is really... <laughs> so I think it was too... It was too soft to get like you know how they put the hooks in like the they actually kind of like drill and like really stamp in those clip things yeah so it was okay. too soft for that mm -hmm. but it was too hard to like use their picks oh okay, so they okay. kind of stuck in this weird middle ground where they they really had to sort of like navigate like carefully so okay. they couldn't pick across because it was too hard but they couldn't drill across okay so what they did is they had a rope tied to they were tied to each other and they I guess they kind of just shimmied across like. With some distance between each other, one by one. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Can you visualize it? I can visualize. It's kind of like a mountain face, guys. Can you visualize it? There's a mountain face, mm -hmm. and you kind of see like there's three people, maybe spaced out, like 
you know, 20 yards, rope tight attach, and they're sort of shimming across bit by bit. Okay. Okay. So that's all. That's thank you. That's all going. They're they're climbing in unison, and Colby's making his way slowly when suddenly he looks up and he sees towards Tom. So Tom, I guess, is in front of him, and he sees that the the line goes slack. So it's not tight anymore. And he looks up and he looks and sees an avalanche just plummeting oh, towards no. the cliff face. Uh-oh. So he basically just turns up and goes, hmm, that's weird. Like Tom's, Tom doesn't look like he's like climbing anymore. It's like something's like he's either slipped or something. And he looks up and he just sees this snow and he goes, oh, shit. Oh, no. So before he knows it, he's sliding down the mountain with the avalanche and he's just like end over end, you know, the snow like just cartoon. like just like a cartoon. Like he's he's actually forming into a snowball and he's getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> but then he just bang, he hits something and everything goes black and he's knocked uh, unconscious. Ah, that sounds so painful. Yes, when he regains consciousness, he's hanging from his rope. <gasps> right, so I guess he's he's all tangled up and he's hanging and he's in a ton of pain and he's freezing. Oh, my God. That sounds horrible. His backpack, which had all his supplies. So I guess they were going to do a camping. Like they were going to mm-hmm. like climb and then sleep and then climb and you know stuff like that. Yeah. So he's got food and a, and a sleeping bag and all that sort of stuff. So his backpack and his supply are all gone and so are his gloves. Oh, his gloves? He didn't have his gloves on? No. And he's just been hanging there. So it's now the morning. And so he works out. He's been unconscious and basically hanging by his rope for about six hours. Oh my god! So he's just like so. Remember, he's so he's hanging by his rope. I'm not. I can't actually visualize how he's hanging by his rope or like. But remember, he's still tied basically to the other friends. So he's not in the snow anymore. He's just dangling free fall. Oh, I guess he's probably. I don't know what he's attached to, but okay. he's 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 in the snow still. I guess. Yeah, but he's not like in the avalanche. Oh in no, the no, big no, round. No, no, no. He's. I'm not sure. I don't think it covered him. I think it just like knocked okay. him down. Okay. And so he fell. I think they fell about 800 feet down oh the mountain. God. So I think that was what uh, I read. So, but they're basically they're on the surface, thankfully. So they weren't buried. Wow. Which would be the that worst would, thing that ever. That would be really bad. Yeah. On the other end of his line, unfortunately, Tom is hanging limply, and he finds out pretty soon that Tom is dead. That he hadn't survived the avalanche. That's horrible. So exhausted and still struggling with concussion because he's he's been knocked out for like six hours. He's in excruciating pain. He crawls over to Tom. He's able to get a couple of supplies from his pack Mm. and most importantly, his sleeping bag. And he crawls inside the bag and he goes to sleep. He's just like, he's out of it. He's completely wrecked. Right. You would think it would be in that cold. It would like numb the pain kind of, but I guess not. Yeah. I mean... I don't he had know. Internal damage. Yeah. So when he wakes up, he does like a bit, I guess, a bit of an assessment. He realized his neck hurts. It's hard to sit up or twist. And what he didn't realize, I guess, at the time, oh, I mean, he knew he was in pain in certain spots, mm-hmm. but he didn't know the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. But he had a broken ankle. <gasps> he had a broken scapula, which, What's do you remember that? what a scapula is? Mm-mm. It's a shoulder blade. And I'm pretty sure we've talked about this before and we said, why don't they just call it shoulder blade? Oh. Don't get too fancy. <laughs> yeah. Let's so call it, it like it is. He's got a broken ankle. He's got a broken shoulder blade, and as well, he's got a couple of broken vertebrae in his neck. Ugh. All right. So he woke up, and he's still in a lot of pain and discomfort. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, he manages to rappel down to his other friend. Oh wow, Rit, who he's down there, and he also finds out that Rit has also been killed by the avalanche. Oh, that's horrible. So both, his, so he was the only survivor. Both his wow. friends passed away in the avalanche, and he got like. 
smashed up as well. But he's mobile. He can move. He's, he can move. He's in a ton of pain. Yeah. But he can move. He's got a broken ankle. His neck and his back's all fucked up. But he can move. How traumatizing to be in this oh. state and then find out two of your friends have passed away. Seriously. And Horrible. also just the idea of, you know, going forward and going on, you just be like, like screw this. Yeah. So it say, he says for the next 36 hours, Colby slowly and painfully assembled gear from his two fi- uh, climbing buddies. Mm. So he's able to sort of go, you know, because he, he's, he's really struggling, mm. right? But he slowly gets himself like a bit of energy. He, I guess he repels down to, to Rit. He gets some of the supplies out of his bag and what he's got on him. He gets some stuff from Tom. He assembles what he needs. He gets food for, like he cooks food, he also melts some snow for some water. Okay. So he's slowly starting to like get a little bit of energy back. He realizes that like he's won the first battle of survival in, mm-hmm. in terms of surviving the avalanche, but now like he needs to get off the mountain because otherwise he's going to die out there. Right. So he's got to take off on this difficult descent in really bad shape. Ugh. So he's and pl- alone. Like and alone. Can you do that alone, or don't you need somebody to help with the rope or whatever? I mean, I don't know. Like, he's an experienced climber. He's got the gear with him that he needs to do it. I don't know mm-hmm. what his plan is, but all he knows is like, fuck, like, I just got to get off this mountain. Yeah. All right. And I got to get back to somewhere and, and try and survive, which right. is, I feel like that, you know, physically, yes, he's going through a lot of pain, but mentally would be really hard. Mm. Like, yeah. Really hard. You mean because of his friends passing yeah, away? Yeah, because his friends and just like, he's thinking, like, I can't do it. Like, he's I'm not going to make it. I'm not, yeah. Yeah, but your I don't know, your survival mode kicks yeah. in, right? So your adrenaline and it's like you're just singular focus on how to survive. I think you go in I think there's this state that people and so many we've told a lot of survival stories for those of you who have listened to a lot of them and a lot of them actually quite a few stories we've told about people on the mountain. Mm, yes. Like mountains in, are dangerous. Mountains are dangerous. The mountains are calling so that you go there and they can kill you. Yes. <laughs> We've told quite a few. That's a good. We have to put that on a t-shirt. I'm gonna put that on a t-shirt. The mountains we are calling. Not so fun voyage t-shirts. Oh, we do. Where it's like a cliche travel sayings. It's like not all who wander are lost, but probably a lot are. You know. <laughs> Oh my god, I love it! If you wanted not so bon voyage T-shirt, let us know. And let we'll, us know. We'll put it in the in the works. We'll put it in the works. Okay, yeah. not all those who won who lost, but a lot of them are. <laughs> that is hilarious. Because seriously, TM, though, so yeah, yeah, trademark that intellectual property. You know it. Um, but no, but seriously, we've told a few mountain stories, and a lot of the times, like people get like. They don't have good luck on mountains. Yeah. No, they don't. And they always have to. bad luck. Yes. But one thing that is common with all our survival stories, whether it's in a mountain or in the desert or whatever, people talk about this gear that your brain and your body kicks into Mm -hmm. that you never knew you had. And we've we've heard this from people who have been on our, like our Voyager chats where people have talked to us on the podcast, stories that we've researched. And it's crazy. Like people just say- when it comes down to human survival, you just find another level to amp up. Yes. And you just, like, you get it done. You dig deep. You dig deep. And so this is what Colby did. So his plan was to descend the southeast ridge, and he realized it was his only way off the mountain. Mm. Over the next six days, Colby makes his descent in crazy pain with sort of no real idea where he's going. He talks about he's disorientated. He's not exactly sure. He talks about he had to go, he like hit some dead ends and he had to backtrack and he had to do, but he just knows he's kind of making his way down in some direction. Mm. All right. Now, how's this? This is crazy. Do you know what a self-arrest is? 
No. Okay. So I, were you arrest yourself? Yeah. Well, that's what I thought. I'm like, <laughs> there, there was something about him making a self arrest. I'm like, hmm. It's like a citizen's arrest, but yes. for yourself. Sorry, guys. I've made a mistake, and I'm arresting myself. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> turn myself in. So a self arrest is it's a technical term for when you're on a mountain, I guess. And it's when you have to picture like if you started sliding down a mountain, right? And if you had like a rope or if you had a pick, you could like slow yourself down. But a self-arrest is when you have no equipment and you have to basically like dig in your heels and like your hands to try and stop yourself. So okay. if you start, if you, so if you slip down a mountain and you had to like stop yourself, you like di- what would you do? You'd like dig in there yeah. and try to yes. like stop yourself and slow yourself. Yeah. So he says at some stage he falls, he like slips down a face, and he has to make a self arrest, mm. right? And barely is able to stop himself. Now remember, he has a broken ankle, <gasps> and he has a broken shoulder blade, and mm. his neck is broken, and so he's sliding down like digging his heels and his hands into oh, be so painful into the mountain with all of that stuff. Wow. So that just just is like wow. Like yeah. that's insane that, that is you wow. know that he was able to actually stop himself yeah. from going like over the edge. Yes. And he st- and he does. He managed to stop himself like just before he kind of like goes off this edge. Wow. That's horrifying. So finally he does make it down to Kahiltna. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's it. Sounds Nailed right. it. Mm-hmm. Kahiltna Glacier. And he makes it to some airstrip camp down there. Oh, wow. And after six days of making his way down after the avalanche, he- Six days? Six days. Yeah, I said that earlier. You did? Yeah. Did you? Yes, I did. You know I did. Um, okay. Well, that is a long six amount days. of time. Okay, I did not realize. I thought it was like, well, I know that like the initial, you know, he was asleep for a night and whatnot, but I didn't realize the rest of that was going to take so yes, long. Yes, it took him six days to get down. But he had food- he and, had, I guess he had food. And yeah. he had his sleeping bag, so I guess he could sleep and whatnot. Yes. But, wow, that's wild. Yes, and he finally he makes it down to, uh, they call it an airstrip camp. I guess there was people there. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure if people were looking for him at that stage, uh, if they knew that he, you know, there was an avalanche and that he was stuck in it. I'm not sure. Mm. But he made it down, and he spent the next three months in a wheelchair. Okay, I guess, fair enough. Pretty bashed up, yeah. and then another three months on crutches. So that mm. just goes to show, like how busted his ankle probably was. Yeah, absolutely. And he, and he, to, and he probably made it so much worse. Oh, probably <laughs> made it so down. much worse. Scooting on, scooting and booting, scooting and booting, and self-arresting. <laughs> yeah. Um, and unfortunately, Rit and Tom's bodies were never found. Oh, really? That's too bad. Yeah. So, um, but he, Colby Combs, was able to survive. Wow. Which is in crazy. And so he continues to climb today. Really? Wow. Yes. Everybody keeps they, going. They hey, never let it they stop. Never if that stop. was me, I'd be like, F you mountains. I'm never going back to you. They Seriously, they always do that. But I don't know. I mean, a lot of it, maybe it's just like not letting, I mean, a lot of the people who do these stories are like kind of living extremes anyway. Mm-hmm. Like people who go and run ultra marathons in the desert or they go and climb like the hot, like they're doing things that are super dangerous, that are pushing True. the boundaries. So I feel like for a lot of them going back to what almost killed them is almost like conquering it again and being like, fuck you. Right. Like you're not going to stop me. Yeah. Like you weren't going to stop me the first time and you're not going to stop me now. Totally. So yeah, a lot of these people do. Like it's not often you hear about this person who's like, so I almost died on the mountain and I never went to the mountain again. Yeah, exactly. Most of them are like, so I was like, I'm going to make that mount my bitch. <laughs> That's true. They always do. They always do that. Yeah. So um, so he continues to climb today. And four years later, after the, or- the ordeal in 1996, he actually founded the Alaska Mountaineering School. 
that offers courses and education about Alaska mountain climbing. Wow. And he really went full force. Yeah. He's like, let's get, get back into this. Yeah, and he actually he still runs it today. So he's a, awesome. he's a founder, a co-founder or a founder of the Alaska Mountaineering School. We'll put a link to it in the in the bio if you want to check it out and if you ever feel like you want to go to Alaska and climb some mountains. And he's a super experienced dude. Obviously, I mean, he got caught in the avalanche, but he's been doing this for – He'd been doing it for 10 years before he founded it, and he's been doing it for another 24 years. Uh, he's a very experienced guy, and he runs courses and, I guess, education around, like, mountain climbing. That's awesome. Which is really cool. Has he told his story? Like, is, is you know, did he, did he write a book or anything or not really? A lot of them do. I, I found this on the backpacker.com, and I'll put a link to that. Okay. That's a, they've, they've got some great articles. I really? feel like backpacker.com. Oh, is that your secret treasure trove of story possibilities? <laughs> no, that um, outside, I think, is a good one as well. Oh, outside, Outside yeah. is good as well. And I'm not sure if he wrote a book. Uh, I'll look it up. I'll let you guys know. (laughs) But he did offer a few tips, um, tips from a pro. And he said, uh, I'm just going to read this from the the article. It says, few people experience what Combs did and live to tell it. Here he offers advice on self-rescue and mental toughness. Mm. And I think these are good tips. So I'm just going to read them uh, verbatim. Is that the right right thing? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, what does that word mean? Word for word. Word for word. Okay. I'm going to read them verbatim because I think they're great. And I'll, I'll put a link to the backpacker.com article that I got the information from. Love it. So he says about self-rescue and mental toughness. Because I think these are good takeaways that hopefully none of our voyages are ever caught in an avalanche and have to traverse for six days with broken ankles and stuff. But Hopefully. 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 But if you are, here is what he says. If you've lost consciousness, your actions, once you regain it, are critical. Try not to move until you assess the situation. You okay. could be hanging by a thread, seriously injured, or on unstable ground. So I guess by that one he means mm. when you come to, like, you're very disorientated. Mm. And I, if you can think about it, like, don't, don't, freak out. don't freak out and don't do anything rash because you might not be, like, in stable ground. Like, mm. you could be... You could be like just on a cliff face and you might be like, oh, my God, I've got to get up. I've got to get up. Obviously, that's harder said than done mm-hmm. because when you wake up from being unconscious, you would be like freaked out. Mm. But he says like try to try to like center yourself and like just do like a little bit of a risk assessment. I like it. I like he it. says come up with a plan for your evacuation. Don't move unless there is imminent threat or you're sure no one knows your location. Okay. okay. Oh, so that, so okay, that's okay. A, I think that's a really good tip. So think about like – if you know that people know where you are, mm-hmm. then maybe not moving is the best thing. Right. Because if they're like- If you can be rescued, then yes. why get lost and move from a different place and people know where you are? Exactly. And also, like you could be going anywhere and then they've got to find you. Mm-hmm. So don't move unless you're, unless you're in threat of perhaps, you know, so let's say for a mountain, if it's going to avalanche again on you or there's a cliff face, like maybe move to safety. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, you know, unless people don't know where you are, and you're on your own, like don't move. Which is also a good tip. Make sure at least somebody knows where you are. That's that, been a recurring thing in our stories that we've told. a recurring thing. If you're going to go hiking or mountaineering or snowboarding or something like that by yourself or even with somebody, tell somebody who's not going with you. Seriously. Or get one of those beacon things. Do both. Do both. Okay. Uh, the next tip he says, control fear by consciously avoiding thoughts of dying. Control oh, wow. pain. Okay, jeez. Uh, okay, some Dalai Lama shit. Yeah. Con- well, this one's even better. Try uh, control pain by disassociating yourself from your body. Okay. Control your emotions by shelving them until later. Oh, Promise yourself. Put them on the shelf. Yes. So we can deal with this later. <laughs> Promise yourself that you won't give up until you've tried everything in your power to make it home alive. So I love basically, that. like, yeah. I mean, a lot of these things make sense, mm-hmm. but 
I just think that they're interesting, you know, tips for, to hear from somebody who's done it. Yeah. But really, it's like don't think about dying, don't think about the pain, don't think about being upset. Just soldier on, get it done. I love it. Great mentality. Easier uh, said than done. Again, but absolutely. And then he his last tip he says courage is really just controlled fear. Fear mm. is good as long as it doesn't turn into panic. Wow. So I think that that's also an interesting point because I think that fear can like you know the fear of dying can give you the courage. Mm, like you true. know, and I think that courage is really just controlled fear is an interesting quote because it kind of is in a way. It's like you're scared of dying, but like you've got the courage to keep going, which means like you're making fear your bitch. Yeah, I feel like I have heard that in previous stories as well, where people are like, oh, how did you conquer your fear? And it's like, well, I was, I still had fear. I was yeah. scared, but I just didn't let it didn't control panic. what I was doing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there you go. So that's the that's story awesome. of Colby Combs and Those his survival. Uh, his survival on the mountain. Unfortunately, um, unfortunately, his two friends, uh, Tom Walter and Rick Kellogg, were not as fortunate. So um, condolences to the families involved in that. But yeah, I mean, crazy wow, story. What a story. Yeah, what a story. Yeah, and good. And I think that I yeah, I think that knowing that Colby sort of, I guess, sounds like he dedicated his life to you know educating others as well is a mm-hmm. really noble thing. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so a bit of a silver lining, I guess, and hopefully he's helped people have those experiences and be safe. Mm. So yeah, so there you go. That's a story. I love it. You got a that's title a for great me? Great story. Um. Uh, Let's see. Mm, no. I was thinking like um, comb, comb, combing the wilderness for survival. <laughs> okay. <I'm> gonna, this, <laughs> this is why I don't they want This is going to be a working title, guys. Uh, working title. We'll, we'll just think of something in post for you guys. Yeah. But we want to thank you for tuning in to the Not So Bon Voyage again. You know, every week, crazy stories. We got more. We got we got some great interviews coming up. We've got, we got some uh, fun people that we're going to chat to. And so this, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, don't forget that we really thrive off positive reinforcement. So if you can <laughs> yes. rate and review our podcast, that would be amazing. And if this is the 60th time that you've listened to our podcast and you haven't done it yet, please on Apple rate, review, subscribe to the podcast or subscribe on Spotify. It really helps us going. Um, you know, it motivates us. Yeah, we need it. We need it. We <laughs> please need, do it. We need it. Please do this for us. Yeah, yeah. Please do this for us. And at a very minimum, tell a friend. Uh, because that, you know, if you've got a friend who thinks you think would enjoy these stories and wants a little bit of a kick out of some different travel stories, especially if, you know, because we're not traveling right now, we need a bit of travel entertainment. Make travel sure banter. that's it. Make sure you share it with them. Not so bon voyage on all your podcasting platforms, no matter what they listen to it on Spotify. We got you. Apple, we got you. All the others, we got you. Okay. And uh, we will see you next week. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Remember, guys, to stay safe on the road. And if you're not, make sure you tell us about it. Bye. Bye.